1963, Jim Brown rushed for 1,863 yards in 14 games. Now this was an unprecedented rushing mark at this time for a player that would ultimately go down as arguably the best player in NFL history. Now fittingly, in the same year, the Professional Football Hall of Fame opened its doors and inducted the first class. This episode, we get to talk to the current president and CEO of the Hall, Mr. David Baker. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off the DeLorean, the date is September 7th, 1963, and we are at Canton, Ohio, because we're here to witness the first class being inducted to the Hall of Fame. But the 1963 year was not just a big year in the NFL. Now, I mean, sure, again, they're the Hall of Fame open. Jim Brown, that unprecedented rushing mark. Also in this year, Al Davis was hired as a coach and general manager for the Raiders. And we all know where that led to. Legendary Paul Brown was released from his team. Yes, released from the team. His team. Because of a squabble with Mr. Art Modell. Then, also, NBC would purchase the AFL Championship game for rights to play on their station for almost a cool million dollars to help give the league more credibility. But it was not just the NFL in 1963 that saw a lot of ground-earth-shattering type of movements. I mean, we're talking about the year that Mr. John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Beatlemania, the Rolling Stones, nuclear threats all around, talks of space exploration, going to the moon. The Vietnam War. Also, Martin Luther King's, you know, the whole I have a dream speech. So many more events that happened in 1963 that could change the way that America would be for many years to come. And one of those Americans was a 10-year-old boy that was growing up during this time frame. A lot of things going on. And he obviously was influenced by these events and many more in that year. That young boy was Mr. David Baker. He grew up to live an incredible life, culminating to where we are now, the president and CEO of the Professional Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, dubbed as the most inspiring place on earth. But before we get into a little bit of his quick biography, this guy, when he walks in the room, <laughs> you're not going to miss him. He stands at six foot nine and nearly 400 pounds, so he's definitely a big gentleman. But that big frame is just filled with a massive overflowing amount of passion for the game and just humans in general. And you're going to hear that throughout this interview. But before, let's go ahead and go over a little bit of a bio so you can kind of see where he came from. Mr. Baker, growing up in college, he was a standout basketball player. He ended up playing professionally in Switzerland and even on a traveling Christian league. He was also a councilman and then elected mayor for the city of Irvine, California. He was a commissioner of the Arena Football League. He was a managing partner for Union Village, which is the first integrated health village in the world. Then in 2014, he took his next journey to what his current position is, the president and CEO of the Professional Football Hall of Fame. 
And I'll go ahead and include links in the show notes so you can learn more about David Baker and the Professional Football Hall of Fame and everything else that you want to know about this topic, which you can get to through your podcast player or by heading to thefootballhistorydude.com. Again, that's thefootballhistorydude.com. Also, while you're at it, I ask that you subscribe for free to the show by mashing that little subscribe button in your podcast player of choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest out the press episodes we'll each and every week. But without making you wait any longer, let's get into this emotionally charged interview with Mr. David Baker. Hey, David, welcome to the Football History Do Podcast. Great to be with you, Arnie. Yeah, great to be with you, too. And uh, speaking of great and to be with you, uh, you have what I would call one of the most unique, coolest, rewarding, whatever type of adjective you want to use jobs in the world. And I'm not just talking about being the president and CEO of the Hall of Fame. I'm talking about Selection Saturday and the joy that it must be to be able to go to those doors of Hall of Famers and knock on the door. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, what goes through your mind when you're walking up to those doors? Oh, you know, I'll tell you, Arnie, it's not what's important that goes through my mind. It's what's going through their mind when I knock on their door. Uh, um, you know, we've kind of, my first year we did this, um, you know, we actually called guys because we didn't have time to knock on their doors, but we had brought them to New York and we had to get them to Radio City Music Hall uh, to roll them out live to the nation and introduce them on the honor show. Uh, and it was interesting because, uh, you know, we, we didn't have time to knock on the door, had to get them to the honor show. So, you know, immediately after I got the envelope and opened it up, we started calling guys. So my first call was to Michael Strahan, who lived in New York. So we had to get him across town to Radio City Music Hall. The next guy was Derek Brooks, who had been a friend of mine, uh, prior to me being at the hall. And I kind of wanted to call my buddy and tell him the good news. Uh, the third guy, um, was actually Ray Guy, uh, you know, longtime punter for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he had been a finalist 29 years and, and, you know, he had been denied all that time. So when I got a hold of him, he almost didn't call because my cell phone is very good, seven four, Orange County, not Canton 330. <laughs> and what was interesting, Ernie, was he, you know, I told him, Ray, this is Dave Baker. I'm the new president of the Hall of Fame. And he said, yes, sir. And that slow Southern Mississippi drawl of his. And I said, you know, Ray, it is my great pleasure. And with that, I could hear him fall to the ground. And I could hear his cell phone rattling around. And his wife going, honey, baby, are you okay? And I thought I killed my first Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, but it, it took maybe about two minutes for him to get up. And when he did, he had the phone and he said, hey, I'm sorry. He says, I'm not sure I knew until now how much this meant to me. And with that, it kind of started a journey of, hey, how can we knock on their door and how can fans witness how much this means to these guys? Because when I'm knocking on their door to specifically answer your question, you know, they're not thinking how much money did they make. They're not thinking about their trophies or their records. Um, they're thinking about their mom that drove them to practice when they were 10 years old, their, their dad that encouraged them not to quit, or that coach that inspired them. And, and you know, it, it's their journey that flashes, you know, in a moment of their entire life, their entire career. You know, they think of their teammates. And, and so 
you know, I've had the privilege of knocking on doors and seeing that in the eyes of Jerry Kramer, who waited 45 years, or, or, or Randy Moss, who I've been so impressed by. I, I almost saw him transition right in front of me from, you know, understanding like that this was something else that was about him to all of a sudden him being a representative for all that was good about the game. And I, I've been very impressed with Randy Moss. And, 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 but every guy has been that way. And this year, as you may know, we had the opportunity to walk on the sets of, um, you know, the NFL on CBS to, you know, inform Bill Cower. And, you know, Bill is a very private guy. Uh, you know, he loves to have that jaw shutting out there and still how strong that jaw is. But that jaw was quivering. And when he was hugging his wife and daughter, he, you know, he was crying. Uh, when we went on the set of, uh, you know, Fox Sports, uh, the next day in LA, uh, Jimmy Johnson was not breathing. I mean, when they went to a commercial, he had to get his inhaler out because I thought he was going to fall over. Uh, so did Howie and, uh, and uh, Terry too. Uh, but every, it wasn't just them. It was everybody on the set was crying. And, and so it, it, it's great to be affirmed. It's great to be in such a league company, but for each of these guys, their journey is special, just like each of your listeners. Yeah, it's as a fan perspective, when you get to see just for instance, like you brought up Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson, when I saw you walking out, well for Bill Cower, because that was the first one, I knew what was happening and I myself started tearing up for him just because I knew what that long journey was just about to come into. Yeah, it was great. I mean, when uh, Fox cut away to Troy Aikman, who I think was doing the game from Green Bay, you know, he had tears coming down his eyes. And, and, and I think it's that moment. And, and you know, in this job, um, you know, in what the Hall of Fame does, there are a lot of moments like that. Uh, when the guys get their ring in the fall and their stadium in front of their fans, um, you know, their Hall of Fame ring of excellence. Uh, when they get their gold jacket at the gold jacket dinner. Uh, I think it was John Stallworth who said that when he put that gold jacket on, it was as if he was being wrapped and surrounded by all the history of the game from the first time they laced up a pigskin, you know, to the last time they presented the Lombardi trophy. And, and so uh, history, which obviously is very important to you, Arnie, is, is very important. Uh, Lincoln said that if we do not honor our our heroes. Our nation shall not long endure. And, you know, one of the great things that happens at the Hall of Fame is, you know, we honor our heroes. And it's not just about the worship of football heroes or the worship of football. It's really about the journey that they traveled. Not one of them fell out of bed great. Uh, every single one of them uh, had to earn it. Um, you know, they no matter how talented, uh, no matter how big, no matter how strong, no matter how fast, they had to earn it. And, and they had to work at it, and they had to overcome adversity, and whether that was injuries or whether that was tough times or whether that was uh, emotions or relations, they had to overcome it. And in that message, in their journey, it is a message for all of us, you know, that maybe we can overcome those tough times, just like right now, that we're going through this with the coronavirus. Um you know, there is messages of hope out there in their journey that says, okay, we can make it through this. We're going to do it. And, and when we're done, 
uh, we're all going to huddle up and we're going to make America stronger. But it's also messages that, you know, that those values that these guys stand for, the commitment, the perseverance, the, the discipline, even the love, and the respect, um, all those values will not only make you a, a, a Hall of Fame football player or a better football player, but they'll also make you a, a better businessman or businesswoman or husband or father or community or country. And, and so, you know, in that history is some wonderful stuff. It's all we sometimes call it the church of football uh, because there's great values there that if we all try to emulate, uh, we're all going to be better off. Yeah, I agree. Listening to the various speeches throughout all the induction, I recall various moments in my life too and how I can relate to them and things to push through and what I can do to teach my daughter or teach anybody around me to, like you said, the values. And one of the things that you constantly preach is that it's the most inspiring place on earth. And I do believe that that's some pretty true words as far as being inspired when you're inside the hall. If you get a chance as the listeners to be able to walk through the hall, there's just this, I don't know how to describe it other than an aura of appreciation and just in, you're you're in awe of when you go through the busts and you, you get to see all the busts. Have you been able to recall a moment when you were there, maybe by yourself in the hall or whenever it was, and it just struck you when you first were there? Wow. You know, Arnie, only every day. <laughs> I, I will tell you. Um, you know, when I came from Irvine and Newport Beach, California, in Orange County, where the sun always shines, uh, to Ohio on June uh, excuse me, January 6th, uh, I believe of 2014. Uh, it was one of the coolest days on record. It was, I mean, the snow was blowing sideways and I didn't know how cold it was going to be in Ohio. Uh, but I also didn't know that pretty much every day there's people that go through the hall who are terminally ill. And this is a huge bucket list item for people that before they die, they want to go through the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I've always found that kind of uh, interesting because, um, you know, I, I mean, if I've got a certain limited amount of time to live, I don't think I'm going through a museum. Um, but I think that it's what the game represents to them. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine who at the time was you know, one of the top executives at ESPN had uh, called me and he had an employee whose dad was dying. He wanted to go through the hall. Um, you know, when she came, we let him in for free. We gave him a t-shirt, you know, gave him a tour and, uh, went down and had my picture taken with him. You know, there's only so much you could do in those situations. But she wrote me back a letter and said, thanks for, for the, for your staff. Uh, you know, thanks for the hall. The hall was great. But then she said, Arnie, she said, thank you for giving the, me the best day in my life. I'll ever have with my dad. And, and, and we've seen that happen over and over again. That most of Americans, you know, you know, really watch the game at home with their family. And they're huddled up with their And, and they've seen Roger Staubach or Aaron Rodgers um, or, or Doug Flutie, you know, throw a Hail Mary. And they know that there's hope out there and it's never too late. And so I think all of those things are really, really special, and I've seen them. But for me personally, 
there are so many moments. So, I mean, there's a lot of times when I'll come out of the office and it'll, it might be 11 o'clock or even midnight. And I'll take an extra moment to go through that bronze bus room. Uh, because there is a sense of reverence there. When, when we have our enshrinements, there's been times that despite everything we can do to keep it moving, uh, there's times that, you know, the, the waiting line to go through the, the bronze bus room, the gallery, uh, is three hours long. And people will stand in line to go do that. Uh, but there's so much uh, other inspiration. I've seen, you know, uh, you know, our dedicated volunteers. There's 4,800 volunteers in the community of Canton, many of whom who take two weeks vacation to put on the enjoyment. And what they do it and what they do for the fans. And it's a, it's a great experience. Uh, you know, one night I was coming out of the office and it was extremely late and we have an area just outside the gallery where the enshrinement uh, speeches of the Hall of Famers are always playing. And, and I kind of paused there and I even sat down. I was watching, you know, John Elway who, um, you know, we, we all love John, but you know, he was one of my owners in the Arena Football League, and I consider him a friend. And, and listening to him talk about the loss of his dad and the loss of his sister um, just made me appreciate my own sister more. <laughs> and, and I went back in the office and shot him an email uh, from that. But I, I think there's so many lessons like that that, um, you know, our, our mission is to honor the heroes of the game, to preserve its history, promote its values and celebrate excellence everywhere. And, and I do think that it's more than the worship of football heroes. It's There's lessons in there for all of us in everyday life uh, so that, you know, all of our fans can be everyday heroes as well. Uh, they may not throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, they might have, a, you know, a, a lifetime moment with their nine-year-old daughter or, or son. Um, and in terms of history, we've got, uh, you know, 6 million pictures, 40 million documents, and it is, if you will, the Sistine Chapel uh, for the game of football. And, and there's so many moments in all of those archives of, of courage and character and uh, compassion and uh, commitment. Um, so it, it, it's a wonderful thing, and those values... Uh, you don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat or a Baptist or a Buddhist or a Jew or, or an agnostic. You know, everybody understands the values that you find in the huddle with teammates and, and understanding sacrifice uh, for times like we're going through now. And I think that can get us all to a place of excellence. You know, excellence in, in our profession is not um, pristine, perfect, flawless, uh, it is, you know, blood coming out of your nose and blood coming out of your mouth and a dirty uniform. And you have to earn and fight for excellence. Uh, the great Hall of Famer, Vince Lombardi, uh, said that, um, you know, you can never achieve perfection. But if you relentlessly pursue perfection, you might just capture excellence. And that's the fight for excellence. So... It's a wonderful place, and there's inspiration there every day, and it's an incredibly dedicated staff and board of trustees and uh, the selectors uh, who work not really, not just on Selection Saturday, but really all year round um, to, you know, measure greatness, to calibrate excellence, 
uh, it, it's an incredible group of people. And, and for however long I am allowed to do it, um, whether that's one more day or, or one more decade, um, I have been privileged to be there. Yeah. And I get the same feeling too when I, um, thankfully the past couple of years, the 2018, 2019 enshrinement, I was awarded the media passes. So I got a little bit different type of perspective on it. And one of my favorite things, you bring up moments and everybody has their moments. I, I do this, um, I guess you could call it on the street interviews with a lot of the fans that are at the hall. And I ask them to just describe to me for my podcast, what is your favorite moment of you know NFL of all time? And of course, most of it's going to be revolving around that particular player that's being inducted. And it's just the the responses, the stories, the tears and joys and all those kinds of things that they enjoyed with their family just takes me back. And I, I don't know other how to describe it other than you have to see the tears on my face to be able to describe it. And that's the type of experience I get myself too. And you mentioned the mission. Um, what does the mission of the hall mean to you from your perspective? Well, uh, again, for me, it is, it's, um, it is arm. It's an, it's not Dave Baker. It, it's not any one person. It is really, uh, you know, about the game, you know, to honor the heroes of the game. And, and a wonderful thing happens in that, Arnie, in that once you're honoring these guys, you have the opportunity to honor heroes in other disciplines. You know, every year we have, um, recipients of the Congressional Medal of Honor there. And, um, you know, one year I've got a guy named Leroy Petrie who is from Dallas, a huge cowboy fan. And, uh, Leroy, uh, had been shot in both leagues in Fallujah. He was up against the wall. Three of his comrades are taking a position as a triangle and they're trying to fend off like 25, uh, members of the Afghan rebels. And, um, and all of a sudden the grenade comes in and he, um, uses the only thing he's got left, which is his elbows, and he crawls over, grabs the grenade, throws it away, um, but not before it severs his right hand. Now, when I introduce him to our gold jackets, and generally we've got about 130, 140 there, you know, they are all on their feet. They are all cheering for him because they know these heroes of the playing field know that the real heroes are the guys on those battlefields. But what's interesting is all Leroy cares about is he wants to go over and see Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and, and you know, Edmund Smith, uh, because those are his heroes. And, and, and so there's a wonderful symbiotic uh, leverage, if you will, uh, of how our gold jackets can help people to be better teachers, preachers, uh, soldiers, firemen, policemen, fathers, mothers. And... Um, to me, this is, you know, that mission is something that's really special. Uh, it is honoring our heroes, but it's not the football, worship of football heroes. It's, you know, protecting and guarding the legacy and the history game. It is really respecting those values, not in a hypocritical or self-righteous way, because again, you know, we don't have one quarterback in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who didn't throw an interception <laughs> or, or a running back who fumbled or a defender who missed a tackle or a, a lineman who missed a block or a receiver who dropped the ball. You know, they did it a lot. 
you know, I mean, Brett Favre, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback has the record for most interceptions. <laughs> but they came back, they came back from that. They never give up. They never stopped. They persevered. And, and to me, that's the mission of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Is that that celebrating excellence everywhere? And and as the mission of the hall continues, and we look forward into the future, um, I know there's renovations going on and advancements, and then we have the centennial celebration coming up this year. Could you talk a little bit about that and the plans? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, um, Hall of Fame Village, which is powered by Johnson Controls. Is kind of the area that's being built around the hall. We started with Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, and, uh, you know, we're about to have six youth fields, and the next phase will be, uh, hotel, water park, retail, um, uh, more fields, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. So it, it's an effort to try to, uh, if you will, you know, put stuff around the hall that'll help fans experience not what it's like not only to be at the game, but maybe to be in the game. And, um, you know, but this was the 100th season of the uh, NFL. And, uh, you know, you celebrate your birthday at the end of that year. So the 100th anniversary of the NFL will actually be September 17th of 2020, which is the second Thursday night, you know, uh, kind of the first Thursday night after the opening of the season, uh, <clears throat> which will be on a Thursday night. And, and uh, it, it will celebrate the birthday of the NFL and how this game has become part of the fabric of America. But uh, because of that, we wanted to have a very special centennial class. When, uh, you know, the uh, pro football had actually been around, you know, since uh, you know, about 1892, and and uh, the hall didn't get started until uh, 1963. Uh, you know, so you had about, you know, 70, 71 years there, uh, where there weren't college that were being selected, you know, in the game group. So there was kind of a considerable backlog of seniors. So we started on this thought of, uh, of adding some more seniors this year. Uh, and then we thought about the contributors and the coaches. And so we had our five modern era finalists. Uh, our, we added 10 seniors, three contributors and two coaches. And that's 20 Hall of Famers for 2020. And right now we're planning to enshrine 10 of those, uh, the modern era players, the coaches, the, uh, contributors at the enshrinement in August, uh, on August 6th, 7th, uh, 8th, and 9th. And then, um, at the Centennial, we will enshrine our 10 seniors. Uh, but it's going to be a big year. Uh, it's got an incredible Hall of Fame class. You've actually got, uh, three members of the Steelers. You've got, uh, you know, uh, we're, the game is going to be played on, uh, uh, on that Thursday. It will be the opening game for the NFL, uh, preseason. It will be, uh, the Cowboys and the Steelers. And of course, we've got Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher coming in. Uh, you know, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the best enshrinements and certainly a spectacular centennial ever. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year as well. And, you know, there's been a lot of advancements for the Hall of Fame from a fan's perspective over the years. And you've been there for, what is it, almost six years now? Or a little over maybe? Uh, a little over six years, almost seven. 
Well, if you could go back to, you mentioned January 6th of 2014, the day that he had to go to the coldest, <laughs> one of the coldest days of Ohio, um, and you could give yourself a piece of advice for everything that you've learned from then until now running the Hall of Fame, what would you give yourself at that time? You know, Ernie, that's a great question. If I could go back and reflect and know what I do know, um, yeah, I, I think we've done a lot. Uh, but, uh, you know, my desire is always every day that we could do more. And, uh, I think it would be probably, uh, you know, don't miss the magic. Don't miss the inspiration. Um, it, it has been a wonderful experience for me. Uh, I, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, but I, I want all fans to feel, you know, how special this game is. Uh, I, I think, you know, right now our country's going through this coronavirus pandemic and it's a challenge and we've never experienced it. But, you know, I remember vividly living in New York and I was living on the 36th floor of a building and I could turn downtown at 8.42 in the morning on September 11th and I could kind of, I couldn't quite see Tower 2 of the World Trade Towers fall, but I could see the, all the debris rising up over the New York skyline. And I remember how our great nation was uh, absolutely stunned and that wonderful city was paralyzed. Um, and I know the Commissioner Tagley, we haven't talked to him so many times since he's being enshrined this year. Uh, you know, he, he had a decision ahead of him that he had to work with all the clubs and the players association about whether the NFL was going to play, uh, you know, that next week. And he decided that they should not play because there were things that were more important than football. But the following week, I thought was one of the greatest days in the history of the game. You know, the following week, uh, you know, John Bon Jovi did the, uh, the, the national anthem from, uh, the, you know, firehouse that, you know, served downtown New York. Uh, there were 70,000, you know, screaming chief fans at Arrowhead Stadium who were waving American flags as the, their opponent, the New York Giants, came up the field. Uh, on that day, all Americans were together. <laughs> and it was like we may have been in a church or a temple in stadiums and watching on TV, but, but we were all together. It was like we were all holding hands. And I believe that America kind of started getting its bearing and rising to its feet. And so much so that, you know, a little more than 10 years later, we had a Super Bowl in that same town and never breathed a word about 9-11. And that was a great message to the world that you can, you know, sucker punch America and knock us down, but we're not going to be knocked out. We're going to get out. What the game did at that time, you know, the game can do now. And the same values can do now. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of NFL players that are taping messages of stay home, stay strong, uh, and we need to stay safe. So I think these values, I think the game is part of America. And I think we will get through this together. And when we do, we'll need all of America to, uh, you know, help to huddle up and get, get America going. But I think the, the game offers wonderful insight into how we can get going as a team together. 
Yes, I agree. And throughout history of the game, there's been many events and the various wars and things. And as a, I guess you could say, fan base that we in a nation, we've always come together. Uh, one question I ask all the guests of the show is, if you, I could give you the keys to my DeLorean, you could go back in time to any point in NFL history to be present for a moment. You can't change the outcome. What would it be? Well, I would say that there's too many moments for me. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be to, you know, shake the hand of Paul Brown or, uh, you know, George Hallis or Vince Lombardi. But I, I, I would think for me it would be to go back and shake the hand of Al Blosus. You know, I, I don't know if you know about Al, but Al was a New York giant. He was about... Uh, in the 1940s, uh, he was about six foot six, six foot seven, uh, real big, six eight, almost. And uh, when World War II broke out, he kept applying to try to get into the army, and because he was so big, they kept turning him down. Uh, finally, they uh, in 1944, they were getting to the point where they. Running out of guys, so they let him in. He went to, uh, you know, to Europe and was kind of on the march to Germany. Uh, and, and he had a uh, two and a half week furlough, and he he took his furlough. He went back to the New York Giants and played in three games that helped them get to the playoffs that year. And, and then when his you know two and a half weeks were over, he goes back to Europe. He ends up being a lieutenant in France. Uh, two of his guys go on a patrol and, and get lost. He goes out to look for him, and he never comes back. Don't be a racist from him again. But to me, yeah, there are so many stories of guys like Al Blosis, uh who learn these values in football of sacrifice and teamwork and, and commitment and took them to something else like our military. Certainly Pat Tillman is that kind of guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, it wouldn't be to watch a moment. It would be to shake the hand and thank the people that made this game. Uh, certainly for, for us at the Hall, it would probably be September 11th of 1920 uh, to be in that room uh, of Ralph Hayes' Hupmobile showroom uh, when all those guys were gathering to decide to come together to form what was going to be the NFL. George Hallis, Ralph Hay, um, Jim Thorpe. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of moments that I would enjoy. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a near impossible task to try to pick one moment. Um, but with all the moments in the history of the game and the Hall of Fame, is there any last uh, pieces of information, words of wisdom, or uh, expressions for the Hall of Fame you'd like to give the fans of the show? Well, I, I would just say right now, <clears throat> today, Arnie, you know, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, stay positive, stay strong. And, and, and this game teaches you that uh, <clears throat> there's going to be adversity. And you're going to get tackled for a loss. There's going to be a turnover. There's going to be interceptions. Uh, but if we stay together, uh, we're going to not only make it through this, we're going to we're going to win. And, and uh, you know, so all my messages to you. Uh, listeners at home is uh, we'll get through this together 
And when we do, we're going to need them to help bring America back strong. Well, David, thank you for joining the show and sharing everything with us. And um, we appreciate your time. Uh, Have a good one. Thanks, Ernie. Take care. God bless. There you go. An inside look at the Pro Football Hall of Fame with current president and CEO, Mr. David Baker. I mean, I'm sure you heard it as I did throughout the interview, but he's just such a good dude, like straight up a good dude. I mean, he has passion and care just seeping out of him. And also, I I think that he gave us some good messages to kind of get over and through what we're dealing with right now as a nation. And he gave us some stories of how football, the nation, America rises again, and they always will continue to rise. We will get through this and we'll get through everything else. And if you want to go ahead and Give this link to somebody that you think might help them out through now. You can send them to thefootballhistorydude.com. But for now, dudes, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes... Where we're going, we don't need roads.